Hello and thanks for joining me for Tui's News, the podcast, brought to you by the Newcastle Herald and our major sponsor, West Group. And it's, I guess, the biggest week of the year, rugby league-wise. The NRL Grand Final on Sunday between the Panthers and the Broncos. Um, Massive week for Newcastle because uh, the Knights women's team are through to the Grand Final as well, um, taking on the... Gold Coast Titans in the big one, um, defending the title they won last year. Um, yeah, it's going to be a great day down there in Sydney on Sunday for those uh, those two grand finals in particular. Uh, Knights fans, um, yeah, to still be alive at this time of the year like we were last year, I guess, uh, is fantastic. And also huge week given that uh, the Dally M Awards were on in Sydney last night, and Newcastle scooped the pool with um, Kalen Ponga winning the uh, the Dally M, the male Dally M, if you like, and Tamika Upton uh, winning the female or the women's Dally M. Fantastic. Um, yeah, the double, um, unheard of. So, um, yeah, great news there for Newcastle. Um, Yasmin Clydesdale was uh, another who was honoured on the night. She was the second rower of the year. Um, the only disappointment for me and for a lot of Knights fans, I would imagine, um, on the night was the snubbing of Newcastle's women's coach, Ronnie Griffiths, for the coach of the year. Uh, he missed out last year, even though he took the, the girls from uh, wooden spooners to premiers. He missed out on the award last year, and this year, well, their minor premiers only been only suffered one loss during the season, and uh, they're in the grand final again. And again, he's missed out on the coach of the year. I can't fathom them. I've got no idea who. I don't even know who picks them, to be honest. Um, and how they've um, bypassed Ronnie for a second straight year is uh, beyond me. But anyway, um, knowing him. As well as I do, I'm sure he would have brushed it off and would be um, very, very happy for not only uh, Tamika Upton but also for Kalen Ponga who um, came home with a wet sail to, to take the, the Dally M. He had six points after round 12 and uh, finished with 56 points at the end of the season. I think he scored 50 points in the last 12 games, which is just unbelievable and that was obviously during Newcastle's 10-game winning streak where he um, where he just uh, ripped apart the competition. And to think, um, you know, where he was, KP, at the start of the season there when he had the concussions and he went over to Canada and uh, he's spoken about it a lot, but um, to think how close he was to potentially retiring or being forced to retire and then to uh, have the season that he's had, uh, pretty remarkable. So congratulations to him, congratulations to Tamika, and well done to the Knights, who, as I said, um, really scooped the pool at the uh, Dally M's. Okay, well, I should introduce someone who I've forgotten about. <laughs> who I've forgotten about. He is here <laughs> alongside me. Um, as usual, the technical guru, Simon McCarthy. How are you, mate? I'm good, Vass. How are you going? Very well, thank you. Very well. Now, you're on holidays. I am, but you've, yeah. you've come in for a special reason. Yes, yeah, um, very got, special reason. We've got, uh, we've got <laughs> Mitchell some, well, Pierce isn't on. <laughs> <laughs> we've got some uh, some big news, and, and I guess it's a little bit sad in a way because after four years, 
behind the microphone and putting together um, the podcast, the Tui's News podcast. Um, this is our 108th and final episode. Last one, yeah. We're both hanging up the boots or hanging yeah. up the microphone, if yeah. you want to call it. Forget you, go out on top, you know. <laughs> is that what it is? <laughs> yeah, let's call it that. Okay. Well, look, um, <laughs> it was it was an idea that um, was pitched originally by um, Newcastle Herald editor Heath Harrison, mm-hmm. I think at the start of 2020. That's well, right. Why don't we yeah. do a, Why don't we do a night's podcast? Yeah. I remember we were at a, a Journo Drinks and you sat down in front of me and you said, can we make a podcast? And I went, of course we can. How hard could it be? It's going to be great. And then you jumped up and went over and had a chat with Heath and I was madly Googling how to make podcasts, question mark. <laughs> oh, very good. Well, we must have had a few drinks because I don't remember that. Anyway. Um, yeah, look, and and so we kicked it off in in uh, early March in 2020 with Michael Hagen was our first guest. That's right, the, yeah. Uh, Premiership winning Newcastle coach and Newcastle captain. He was our first guest and now 108 guests later. Yeah. Um, we're, we're sort of uh, pulling the pin. We've had a great sponsor. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Obviously the backing of the Newcastle Herald, Chad Watson and, uh, and Heath, obviously. Yeah. Um, but we've had a great sponsor in uh, West Group come on board um, to support us. And, you know, we probably thought maybe we might get through a season with this. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when we uh, we had Hags in the boardroom. Yes, and I had the I, I had two microphones set up, which was which were felt very official at the time. <laughs> and as I was sitting there watching everything happen, I was just watching Hags' microphone stand just slowly deflate <laughs> the whole, whole way through. We had to stop about halfway through, and I had to oh hang on a minute, I've just got to fix this microphone stand for you. And Hags, to his great credit, who was just a consummate professional the entire time, never missed a as, beat. Yeah, never missed a beat. Turned around and went. How am I doing? And I went, Good. <laughs> oh yeah. I, I wouldn't say it's been the most professional um, setup. Setup. It's um, you know, as far as podcasts go. But hey, as I say, we've um, we've had great support from people who listen to these podcasts. Knights mm-hmm. fans, obviously, and other fans. We've had some sensational support um, over those four years, and and also um, the Twitter mailbag. Uh, I'm not sure yeah. when, when we kicked that off, but um, it, it was it's, uh, season two. I season think. two, yeah, we started it? doing that. It's yeah. been a it's been a rousing success as mm-hmm. well. Um, answering questions, your Twitter questions, so it's been um, yeah, it's been wonderful. Um, and we will probably talk a little bit before we sign off. Yeah, um, about some other stuff uh, or about about the podcast and some of the episodes uh, that we've had. Uh, I do want to mention before we go to our guest, um, the Maitland Pickers. I should give them a mention, mate, because they they um, they not only have dominated uh, the local competition for a long long period of time for the last three or four years. Uh, they won the President's Cup last weekend um, in Sydney. Uh, they played uh, St Mary's, I think it was. Yeah, St Mary's at Bankwest Stadium on on Sunday. Beat St Mary's thirty two to ten. Um, Josh Callanan, the Newcastle Herald's outstanding uh, NRL, or real NRL as I call it, um, <laughs> reporter, um, had a great story in the paper yesterday or the day before, whenever it was, uh, in, the, in the Herald about the fact that um, the Pickers have won or played 67 games between 2020 and, and right now and they've won 60 of them. 
lost five and drawn two, and that's in all competitions, which is an outstanding record. So congratulations to the Maitland Pickers and to their coach, Matty Lantry, uh, on another great season. Okay, well, we're going to come back to you after this with our final guest for the year, um, Knights coach Adam O'Brien. We're recording this. There he is. Reno. Hey, Phil. Hey, Ben. Are we on? Are we recording? You're ready for us, are you? I am, mate. If you're ready, we can call me back. Oh, we are sort of recording, but I'm, I've got a little intro to read first before... Uh... Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess this week, Knights prop, Daniel Safidi, Nathan Ross, Jared Mullen, Anthony Seabold, Jaden Braley. It's a great privilege to have uh, Tim Zhu, Mark Hughes. Hello, Hughesy. Mitchell Pearce, the greatest knight of all time. Paul Harrigan, good morning. Kurt Gidley, welcome to the podcast, kids. The one and only Kirk Reynoldson. Hello, Renner. Mate, I've been waiting my whole life for this, Barry. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back. Well, I'm with a man who I would imagine is pretty relaxed at the moment after a fantastic season. Um, just to cap it off, I guess we mentioned the Dally M's before to cap it off with um, the presentation night on Wednesday night, which which Adam O'Brien and his wonderful wife Sharon were both at. I'm uh, sure he's pretty proud of the club and, and where it's at at the moment. How are you, Ads? Yeah, good, Barry. Um, obviously, yeah, to back up what you just said there, yeah, it was a extremely proud moment for our club to see, you know, Kalen and uh, Tamika up on the podium with the with the Dally M's. I think, um, you know, it's a sign that the club's, you know, in good hands with the playing group and with uh, obviously the leadership from the West Board and and Parry and everyone that's involved that we're heading in the right direction. And the key to it now is to uh, keep heading that way. Are you feeling relaxed? Uh, it's funny. Um, I, I will. I, I plan a holiday um, in the next couple of weeks, uh, take Sharon over to America. and uh, But at the moment, I'm still sort of reviewing our season and doing some planning for pre-season. And, you know, I never, never overly relax, Barry. You know what I'm like. <laughs> you never stop either, do you? So I, I guess the, the um, review... Is a, is a lot better viewing um, than what this time last year's review was because the club and your team in particular has come a long way since then, hasn't it? Yeah, it has, yeah, in a number of areas, both, you know, on and off the field. I think, um, you know, in terms of the playing style and the KPIs that we set for uh, for ourselves uh, over the preseason, we, we certainly hit those. One of the goals was to perform a whole lot better at home um, and I felt that we've done that I mean the win and loss record at home is quite strong but our performances even in the games that we, we didn't manage to win um, I thought that we we done everything that we set out to do and that was to make our community proud of us so yeah there's certainly a much better feel um, naturally disappointed with how it ended but you know upon reflection over the last couple of weeks for the team to Essentially played do or die games for, um, you know, nine weeks running, you know, took its toll in the end. Just before we um, continue, what about the the grand final on Sunday? I know when when you guys took on Brisbane in Brisbane up there and probably should have beaten them up there, they they got us right at the death. 
probably mid-season, I think it was, you commented then that you thought that Brisbane was the best team that um, the Knights had played against and you you were pretty confident they were going to be um, thereabouts at the end of it. Who were you tipping on Sunday? You got a, any idea who's going to win? Yeah, I think I think the the experience of the Panthers having been on that stage, uh, you know, for a number of years now. What is this their fourth? So I think that plays a really big part. Um, you know, pressure does funny things to footy teams, and uh, naturally, those that have experienced it a lot more will have an added advantage. Um, but I do think Brisbane have the athleticism and and probably the brashness to to worry Penrith. I think. Um, I think if they go out there and, and play like it's not a grand final and, and play with the confidence that they have um, most of this season, then they can certainly worry the Panthers. But at the same time, look, if they go, if they're a little bit tight or a little bit anxious, I think that the Penrith will uh, will strangle them to death in the end. You mentioned the pressure and the lack of experience. Is that was that maybe a telling factor in in the? the demise of, of the Knights at, at the back end? Do you think, um, or was it the fact that, you know, we went on that massive winning run and, and by the end of it we were sort of emotion, uh, the emotion had got to us. What what do, what do you think happened against Canberra, which obviously we won at home, but then over in New Zealand? Yeah, I think, I think there's parts of both. I think certainly experience. The more guys that you've got experiencing, um, big games, but, uh, you know, certainly helps. But I do think that the the toll of essentially playing that do or, do, do or die for nine games straight, you know, had we dropped one or two of those games, then we weren't going to make the finals. And I think we had a run of, like, our buys came um, quite close together. So, you know, I think we had a buy and then two weeks later we had another one, which is why we made the decision to freshen the guys up knowing that we wouldn't get another chance later in the year. So to go nine or 10 weeks straight without a break, I think, I think what came out in the last two games in particular was we, we hadn't trained as a full team for about four weeks. You know, you were patching guys up each week just to get them ready to play in the next game. So you weren't going to get that cohesion on the training track. And then, a couple of personnel changes, guys standing next to someone in the defensive line that they hadn't had the reps at training with came out in the end. And, you know, I think ball control and our discipline, you know, certainly helped us. And you need to be training those things, you know, regularly um, for them to come out in the pressure moments. And we weren't able to do that. We just physically were putting the team back together by, you know, captains run sometimes and then uh, and rolling them out on game day. So that played its part in the end as well. Ads, what can you say about KP um, given the whole – when you look back at the whole season, you almost shake your head and just hard to believe that, you know, if people come, come up with that script out of nothing, then – then um, you'd look at them and say, well, that's not going to happen. That couldn't couldn't possibly happen. Um, you know, here he is with the concussion drama at the start of the season when, and he was playing, you know, 5'8", which was a position that he wanted to play in um, at the start of the season. Um, all sorts of doubt hanging over his, you know, his future, basically, when he went to Canada and to come back and, and for him to then basically slot back into the fullback role and then go on that run of form that he had at the back end. I mean, 
and then to win the Dally M on top of that, uh, pretty amazing cir- circumstances. And I guess a great credit to his character and, and how much he's progressed and come through as a leader. Yeah, spot on, Barry. It, it makes for a uh, a pretty good movie, really, when you when you look at all the events. And, and if you go back to even prior to, you know, last se- pre-season, there was obviously um, the incident that he had uh, off-field that got plenty of, um, I guess, plenty of opinion thrown his way for him to come away. I, I think that's when it really started for him, uh, for him to go away and only have a real limited break and then return to the club. And the reasoning for, for Kalen wanting to go to six wasn't from a from a selfish or an ego point of view that he just wanted to have the six on his back. He felt that the only way that we could actually get big, big performances out of him, not just moments in games, but big games, was to get the ball in his hands. And that was probably a reflection of, the personnel that we had in the team when he was reflecting on, you know, the 20, you know, that season, he felt like moving to the six was the best uh, thing for our team to, to bring some joy to the town. So it wasn't from a selfish decision. It was, it was made with the intentions of lifting this team up into the the finals arena. So I really respected him for that. Um, I think, you know, we, we had a go at it over the season and then he he, he, um, he had a calf issue, so he missed some a big chunk of January where you're going to get a lot of footy reps in, in January. And prior to Christmas, you get a lot of physical stuff done, but you get your footy model done in January and he missed a lot of that through the calf, which I certainly think played its part in both his tackling and, and, and being in the front line as a six. But I think it became apparent with Jackson – joining the club and steering the team that going back to fullback, he could still have those big games because he was going to get the ball when he, when and where he needed it to. So, um, you know, we made the decision together to go back to one. Um, and, you know, I thought he was, he was great. Even in the, in the games that when he went back to fullback that we didn't win, you could certainly see that he was coming out the other side. So, Every decision that he's made has been around trying to bring success to this town. And I felt in his speech, you know, last night was an indication of what, what it means to him. You know, he started off with he, he felt like he'd let people down. And that's the last thing that this kid wants to do. He's got a huge heart. So I, I couldn't speak highly enough of, the, of him as a person and as a player of what he's done for our town and, and our club this season. Strangely enough, then, the the off-field incident, the the incident in the pub, um, in the in the off off season, you look back and maybe it was the makings of him. Hundred percent, I, I I agree. I think you know sometimes you've got to you've got to touch the hot plate to to learn and um, you know and the, I, I guess the growth in him, maturity wise, on and off the field was huge. And 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 look, we we don't want to rely on incidents like that, but. At the same time, young people make mistakes and all you can ask is that they own that and that they learn from it. and there's an indication. Um, and I felt that we've had that in our playing group this year, you know, with Greg and, and Bradman, you know, have left them out of teams for, for, you know, small indiscretions, but they've learned from them, they haven't kicked stones and they've actually grown as uh, as players and as young men from that. And, you know, there's a real example that, you know, 
I'm yet to meet the perfect human and uh, sometimes people just need a chance and they need someone to believe in them and they need some support and they'll do the rest and, and there's, a, there's a case there. Mm. Well, he had a lot of helpers too, obviously. Um, the, the side itself, um, you, you talk about improvement within your playing squad. Um, you probably look at you know people like, well, Phoenix Crosland, for example, even Bradman Best, Greg Marju, even Dom Young, Dylan Lucas, um, those sorts of those sorts of players, um, they've just come along in leaps and bounds in the space of just just this past season. Yeah, you're right, and that look ultimately that's the that's Leo, Leo Thompson. Leo Thompson's another one, definitely, and and you know that's all you want as a coach is to get your, your playing group and your staff and yourself to perform as close to as your potential, whatever that may be week in and week out. And I felt like across the squad, we, we had a lot more players playing in, uh, you know, their best form, career best form over a large part of that season. And that, that's something that I look back on and we can be really proud as staff and as a playing group that, you know, we have a saying that the rising tide will lift all the boats. Well, they, they did that. They dragged each other along. Guys that were in form were helping others. And, um, yeah, that, that's probably the one thing that makes me really proud of our season. Not just that we managed to bring a home final and, and win it here. I mean, certainly that's a big, that's a huge moment for us. But to have guys being really consistent in their preparation on and off the field and off the training track and then going out and performing week in and week out, that's all you, That's what you're looking for first and foremost as a coach and then hopefully the results attach themselves to that. When, when KP was going through what he was going through there with his concussions, how were you feeling? Yeah, I was, I was worried. I was, you know, I'm, there's no secret I'm really close to... I'd like to think I'm a player's coach. I get close to the playing group um, and I'm close to the family. And first and foremost, I, I looked at it as though if he was my son, you know, it was more than just, you know, a guy that could potentially end something that he's, you know, put on this earth to do is, is to play footy and compete and do something that he loves. That was a huge weight on my mind. But there was also, you know, the health implications and he's got a long life to lead and and first and foremost he's a, he's a son and, and and a brother and then he's a footy player so there was heaps to worry about and you know when you care about someone um you care more than just the game of you know the eight minutes each week so the relief that i got when he came back and and you could tell that he's he, he got some news there that he was really comfortable with and i think the family were comfortable i think that in itself was a big moment in our season, you know, we've got a, one of our guys that we deeply care about that's in a really good, healthy situation and, um, you know, and he, he went about his playing career after that. But, yeah, I was just thankful that he was okay. Mate, we spoke on the podcast this time last year after you guys finished 14th and I think one of the big things that um, you spoke about was was the, um, I guess, the disrupted pre-season that you had uh, COVID was the cause of most of it, um, and we both agreed that the team probably wasn't anywhere near as fit as it should have been last season, um, which showed up in quite a few games. Now, because of that reason, you took a lot more control of the preseason just gone, didn't you? You you um, 
you sort of made it your business to um, get involved pretty heavily with the with that you know that side of it, the conditioning side of it. I think um, you might have even you might be able to fill us in. You went a bit old school and got rid of some of the technology that's normally around these days with you know pre seasons and training. It, what sort of an influence did you have? Did you did you actively sort of uh, want to change things in that regard? Oh, uh, yeah, I did. I think, um, you know, to be fair to the staff that were there, um, you know, prior to this season, the, the interruptions sort of came, you know, because everybody in the competition got interrupted. So it was it was a relatively level playing field, but it was just when it happened to ours, like our camps, you know, it sort of the – it hit Newcastle pretty hard, the the first sort of spate of um, infections. So I just think the timing of when it came was when we planned to get a lot of physical work in and, and that was really disruptive. Um, and, I did, well, the thing that I did change is my first year here I went, because I only know what I know at the time from coming from Melbourne, I gave them a really, really tough uh, pre-season where we'd done a lot of back-to-back days. So days where players are waking up sore in the pre-season because they've been flogged the day before and then they have to find a way to just get going again because we're going to do it again today. So we went back a little bit old school like that. You'll see these days there's a lot more day-on-day-off type training done and... I just thought we weren't there yet. You know, teams like Penrith could probably do that. They've got a big base behind them. And, look, potentially we may look at that down the track. But I still think uh, a really, really tough summer was needed for us, and we did that. We took them away, obviously, week one, which is probably unheard of to take them away on a really physical army-style type camp. Um, in your first week that the all the big boys were back for pre-season, it was a bit of a shock to the system to everyone, but I reckon it set the tone for a really steely mindset that lasted throughout the whole summer. Um, so my involvement in was that. We, we obviously had a new performance team in Matty J and Aaron Scully coming on board, so we were still feeling each other out. We, were, you know, we hadn't worked together, didn't even know each other until we started working together. So I was sort of, um, you know, I, I probably imposed myself on the program a fair bit until I got to a point where I, I agreed that they were on the same, they were of the same opinion. So I'm very fortunate that we've got like-minded staff, and that should put us in good stead for this upcoming preseason. What, so they, because they agreed with you, you said it was all right, is that what you're saying? <laughs> well, <laughs> it could probably come across that way, but uh, yeah, as I said, they're pretty fortunate, they're both experienced guys and they uh, they believe in the same philosophy and uh, I didn't have to push too hard, they're, they're, they're pretty good like that. Ads, r- round 17, um, you guys were 14th, five wins, one draw, nine losses, um, you were five points from eighth spot and yet I would imagine and you've said it uh, a few times before there was, there was only that one game which was um, what the round nine lost to, to Parramatta I think it was 40 odd to 12 or something um, that was the only game that you were really disappointed in you were pretty competitive in a lot of other games but still by round 17 the Knights were sitting 14th um, and not in a great position obviously um, did did you change anything? Was there anything changed? Um, because obviously, from from uh, the following the following week was the, the the Bulldogs game where 
the Knights were in right, 66 to nil. Uh, did anything change there? Can you put your finger on anything um, that might have prompted what happened after that? Uh, well, I think the thing that changed is that we didn't change. You know, I think in the past, the last couple of seasons, we've probably looked for, uh, you know, quick fixes or, you know, chucked everything out and, and haven't stuck to the process. Uh, we certainly did that this year. I felt, as you said, like, uh, uh, take aside the Parramatta game, which is, you know, a really uh, disappointing performance that that we owned. Um, and probably the first half against the Sharks up at Coffs Harbour was another one that we felt we'd fallen short of um, some standards or performances that we'd set that season. But for the other games, I felt like we'd we'd up, we'd up stuck to what we'd want to set out and do, and that was to make our town proud. And it's not always about the wins and losses. Certainly everyone wants to see us win. But I know this town well enough now that if, we, if we're having a go and we're showing a bit of metal, then they'll walk home after that, you know, that performance at the stadium pretty proud or, or reasonably proud of the group. They'll always want us to win. I understand that. But So that's probably the thing that kept us confident that we're still hitting some pretty high markers in terms of our footy model KPIs. And whilst the results aren't there, as long as we keep sticking to that process, then hopefully things will fall our way. Now, we're not to know that we're going to, they're going to fall our way 10 times in a row. But, you know, we, we, we kept training. We didn't back off our training loads. We, we kept um, really consistent with how we review games. I think their coach wasn't as uh, probably as flighty as I'd been and probably animated as I'd been around the wins and losses. So I certainly grew this season, I felt. Um, but they were the, the playing group were giving me reasons not to change too because I felt like we are having a go and I thought, just stick to it and we'll come out the other side and they were of the same opinion and fortunately it, it took us on a fair ride there at the back end of the year. Round 21 um, against Melbourne in at home, was, was that a defining game? If you look back on the season, was that a defining game? Or I was- think... Uh, there's a couple of games that stood out for me this year that I thought we are really heading in the right direction. Um, the one at Leichhardt when we had no one on the bench and we'd lost KP quite early uh, and to, to fight our way out. I don't know people will probably think where the Tigers finished at the end of the year. This is like round two or yep. three or something like that. To show the, the medal that we showed that day, I remember being on the bus coming back up the freeway thinking – We've got some soul in this team and we need to, you know, keep fostering that. Um, so I thought that game was huge for us. And then obviously the golden point game against Penrith at home and to have the fans give the guys a standing ovation, that gave them confidence and gave them well, – I just think it, it, they're a field team, our boys, and they, they felt like the town was behind them. So I think that was a real – defining game and then obviously to be down 12 nil against Melbourne um, that's huge you know that not many teams can be down 12 nil against you know full strength Melbourne storm outfit and then come out the other side um, you know I know in my time there if they got out to 12 points you know they weren't going to lose that game so to for the boys to just hang tough in that game and find a way to overcome them in the second half. I thought that was, you know, there are obviously three games where I went, you know, that's the soul of the play that we wanted to create over the summer. 
Where where did that? You look back last year. I know we don't don't want to keep looking back, but if you look back last year and and the, the soul that soul you talk about didn't exist in a lot of games or didn't appear like it existed in a lot of games. Um, you you obviously brought some key players into the into the place. Jackson Hastings, um, Adam Elliott, Tyson Gamble, even Jack Hetherington at the back end, who's you know didn't have an off season, but he certainly proved at the back end that he was. A good signing. Um, all competitive players. Was was that were they the catalyst? Or you look at, um, you know, look look at some of the other players um, in the, in the club that w- were here. W- what was the catalyst for that change in, I guess, resilience more than anything? Because you ended up being one of the best defensive teams in the comp. Yeah, I think certainly they played a big part. If there's a, a common sort of thread between those guys you mentioned, it is that competitiveness. And, you know, when you have that in your nature, then the scoreboard is irrelevant to you because the next passage of play, it's your nature to just keep competing. So, you know, I felt like, um, you know, if we go back to the season last year, there was some result anxiety Um in the team and that, you know, if someone scored early on us or something went didn't go our way, it was just like, oh, no, here we go again. We're going to disappoint people. And it became became a, like, a, like a syndrome there for a while where it was just, you know, the, the more we wanted to win to, to please people, the worse we were getting. And it was sort of the, the you know, people were sort of glazing over a little bit and, and not competing in the next passage of play because they didn't want to be the person to let anyone down. Well, when we when we made the decision to get some more competitiveness in the team, if you if you sign one guy, I think I've said this to you before, I think if you send if if you go and sign one competitive player, how much he can how much influence he can have on a dressing room is only gonna be so far. But if you put three and four guys with the same nature into a room, as I said, then then you're starting to talk about the tide lifting all the boats, and uh, and, and we certainly started to see a lot of that. So they're the guys that will just doesn't matter the situation or the scoreline; they're just going to concentrate on the next passage and they're going to compete. So yeah, they, you know, to answer your question in a, in a short version, they, they've had a huge impact on the way we play and how we handle um, tough situations. And if you're talking about other players that have made big impacts, I don't think Tyson Frizzell probably hasn't played any better in his career than he's played this year. Absolutely. He had a, uh, he's a warrior, obviously. He's a guy that in every year that he's been here has, has you know, carried the team in terms of you know, that competitive nature and just resilience. But he had some guys there helping him this year and, and – you know, he he reaped some rewards or some benefits of a of a really strong, healthy preseason. He didn't have any sort of injury concerns or anything like that. But as we said before, those guys in and around him help him be the best version of himself. So um, I, I was really really stoked for Tyson's season. You know, he um, he's just visually everything that we want in a player here. And you did it all without Jaden Braley. Um, basically because, um, you know, disappointingly, he suffered that knee injury again in, I think it was in round five, so he missed the rest of the season. Um, but you, you overcame that with Phoenix sort of stepping into the breach there and doing a good job. Yeah, yeah, obviously devastating um, when we got the news through that, 
you know, uh, Jaden had had the injury and, and to lose someone of his experience and, and his standing in our team was a real concern for the time. But fortunately, Phoenix stepping in and, you know, the work that he managed to do with uh, beds, guys like Danny Badiris around the club and Jaden himself helping Phoenix, um, you know, we're, we're very lucky that Phoenix managed to give us the season that he did. I'm really, really proud of him as a young man, as a local young fella that, when when the team needed him or the club needed him, I should say, he uh, he more than stepped up, and I'm really looking forward to to next year to seeing him grow on what he did this year. What about yourself, Ads? It's been a. <laughs> well, you, I mean, we could go through and look at all the performances and and um, talk about how well the team played in certain circumstances and how unlucky they were in in other games and that sort of stuff. But all all the while, you you had your issues. Um, off the field, obviously, with your mum and her illness, which sort of, I think, started before the season even kicked off, um, and you lost her early on, and then there was all the speculation in and around your your position. How did you handle all? How, how did Sharon handle the season? I mean, it would have been, at times, ridiculously difficult, I would imagine. Yeah, there's no doubt that there was some... Really tough weeks. Um, I, I, the, you know, I'm very fortunate. My wife is so supportive, not only of me as a husband and a person, but also of my footy career. She has a deep love for the players and the club as well. So she um, she understood that me focusing on being able to do my job, but still managing being a son and caring for his mother and wanting to make everything right, um, which ultimately, you know, wasn't the case in the end. We couldn't fix everything, but I think, and I was really lucky actually when we were able to communicate with mum in the early parts of the illness that I knew how important it was for her, for me to to do my job for the playing group. She, she has a deep affection for our players and often stands up for them even when it's not warranted. But I think those things helped. And I guess going into work each day was a chance to just, you know, compartmentalise things a little bit and, and put them aside and make sure that visibly I wasn't going to put any pressure on any of the players, especially the younger players. I think a few of the older boys, whilst I never had uh, direct conversations with any of them about what was going on, uh, I think they knew. Um, but I was really mindful of protecting the younger ones and not seeing me, um, you know, under any sort of duress. So I think that probably helped a little bit. Uh, um, but, yeah, the support of family and, and the playing group were, were outstanding. And then the stuff around the job, that was that was that was a lot easier, clearly, than the other stuff that I was going through with, with mum. Um, you know, I understand elite sport and I understand that it's a results-driven business. And, you know, I don't harbour – I didn't carry any of that. There was no anger. There was – you know, there's, always, there's concern. That, you know, I'm not going to sit here and lie. There's always concern because – you know, I've got to provide for family and make sure that I'm playing my role in that. So you're always worried about those things. Um, but, yeah, I didn't – I guess it was a little bit like the playing group. I wasn't letting, you know, the 12 nil scoreline worry me. It was just just focus on doing what I need to do for the players because I'm not out there making tackles with them, but they rely on me to prepare them and get them right for the game. And I know how important that was. And I think mum and certainly um, Shaz – knew that as well so 
yeah, you're not doing it on your own. You've got plenty of people in there helping you. And, and then obviously we've come out the other side of it and got really good support from the club on the back of all of that stuff. So um, it's all learning experience for everyone. Well, I, I, I think was it was it 12 weeks that um, your mum, yeah, she, she got the the brain the brain tumor. Um, yeah, yeah, would have been in what late February. Yeah, well, yeah, it was. It was just before the sort of season kicked off. She had a uh, yeah tumor and uh, and then had some complications through surgery. That you know, the, the thing that stood out for me, without going into too many sort of personal details, was the amount of I guess setbacks or hurdles that she had to overcome in that 12 weeks. If it if it wasn't you know weekly getting some bad news, it'd go from you know good news we've got the tumor to bad news it's caused a stroke to you know cancer's back to then ultimately um, she ended up dying of an illness that she acquired from the treatment of cancer. So she didn't really you know pass away from the thing that she went into hospital for, which is a little bit hard to take in that regard. But mm. just, to, just to watch her handle setbacks and overcome it and then achieving some success in parts of the uh, in parts of the, the treatment and only to get more bad news, it was like, well, whatever comes my way in footy is, you know, pales in comparison to what this woman's doing. So she's a good a really good visual for me as a, a source of strength to say, well, stop moaning about stuff, stop whinging and just get on and fight as hard as you can. So, yeah, it was 12 weeks, but it was 12 weeks that will probably shape me as a, as, a, as a man and as a coach and a son and a husband for the rest of my life. Well, you didn't miss a training session. I, I, I'd got no idea. And people out there, the fans out there, didn't have a clue basically what was going on. You didn't miss a training session. You spent – your mum was in Canberra initially and then obviously got transferred to Sydney. So you were, you were down the freeway if you weren't basically at work – and training, you were you were down the freeway with her. I know I know that um, you left her um, the the day that the Knights played the Panthers. You mentioned that game, the the sixteen fifteen loss, Golden Point loss. You left left her to come to the game. You know, I think you might have got to the game what an hour or an hour and a half before the game started, um, and you left her basically thinking that you probably wouldn't see her again. Um, and but you, as you mentioned, you um, put that in a compartment somehow, and and um, got through the 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 game and and coached uh, as you normally would. Um, and your mum was still going and was obviously just disappointed because I think she watched the footy that day, and disappointed that you uh, couldn't get couldn't get the win. And then she passed away um, on I think the Thursday leading up to the Cowboys game. Most, I would imagine, adds that most coaches would have probably given that, you know, that you were playing in Townsville two or three days later, they might have said, okay, well, maybe the assistant can look after the team this week. But you didn't travel with the team. You travelled up on your own, I think, on the Saturday um, and and still got up there, still made it up there. I, I seriously do not, do not know how you did it, to be honest. I, I lost my mum early on as well and, and uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know how... Um, <clears throat> how you did it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, clearly the toughest. Probably two week period of the whole twelve weeks was tough. But the the two weeks, the the Penrith game, obviously, when you know talking to doctors and their 
you know, they're only going to give you the truth. They were not confident that she'd be able to make it through the that Penrith game, that sort of period. And they knew that I was, uh, you know, as soon as training was finished, all my commitments at work were finished. I was in the car and, and down the freeway. She was in Sydney by then at, at the Royal North Shore. Um, but if it would be prior to that, it was going down and back from Canberra. So I think they knew that we had the Panthers game. One of the uh, one of the nurses that was looking after mum was from Penrith. She was a mad Penrith fan, but for that night she went for the Knights. And um, <laughs> yeah, it was it was actually yeah. When I pulled up to the stadium, I was only there about an hour before the game, or an hour and a half before the game. And I think I mean Daniel Saifidi. I think he he was aware. I, I probably didn't hide my probably emotions well enough in front of him. So I think he was the only one that was sort of aware of what was going on for that night. Um, but then to find out, you know, when I turned the phone on and, and made some calls that they, you know, my wife and my sister had smuggled in some pizza into the ward and had the game going and mum got to sit through the whole game. And, I know, and you know, she wasn't communicating that well, but visibly she was very proud of the you know, what the boys did that night. And I think they lifted her spirits and managed to carry her through. We got to, I went back down that night and got to spend, um, you know, sporadically over the next four days in between some training, um, some time with her. And then obviously, you know, passing on the Thursday. Um, yeah. So yeah, for the Saturday game, yeah, I flew to Townsville on my own, which is you know, probably the longest, you know, couple of flights. You got to land in Brisbane. and yep. Yeah, that was pretty difficult, but I knew, well, being near the boys would help me and being near the boys would make her proud and happy as well. She, she'd want me to work. And then, as I said, Shaz and my sister Lisa, they were pushing me out the door saying, you know, she'd um, she'd want you to be there. So, um, yeah, no, that's, you know, I guess that's what you do and you rely on family and you trust that they know what's best and... Yeah, selfishly to make yourself feel better. You want to be next to the playing group and, and, you know, play your part in their performance. And I guess Mother's Day was only two or three weeks later. I think that was might have been the uh, from memory the Titans game Titans, at home. Yeah. Um, yeah. That would have been another difficult day, and, but the result obviously um, sort of um, boosted things a little bit. Yeah, I think that was probably – I reckon that was probably the day that it hit me probably the most. We'd, um, I think we we copped a fair bit of feedback around how some players were, you know, handling their bye weekend and you know which ultimately was a storm in a teacup. But we're under the we're under a fair bit of pressure. Um, and then I was obviously mourning mum, so there was a little bit of pressure there internally. So I think I remember clearly after that game, you know, we got the result. The boys had. Played really well and probably, you know, stuck the middle finger up to a few people that had so much to say about how we were doing things here. And then the emotion of Mother's Day. I think I remember uh, the drive from the stadium back to um, back to the, the bowling club that we have our, at West where we have our post-match functions. I think that was probably the most emotional I've been, you know, for as long as I remember. I think it all just hit me then. Um, but, yeah, it's just, you know, just... I guess it rolls into a pretty emotional type year for all of us at the club. You you talk about the the job situation and and um, how close you were. I, I mean, you listen to some of, some of the journo's who uh, may or may not know 
uh, what was going on. The suggestion was that if you lost that Bulldogs game, you're, you're basically a dead man walking. Did, did you have any sense of – there was all sorts of rumours floating around about, um, you know, the likes of um, Maguire and Hasler and Paul McGregor and all these sort of names. Josh Henne, I think, at one stage. And then, obviously, um, Holbrook after he got sacked. Um, did you – what were you thinking – then were you just letting that slide were you asking questions of management i know that rory cost jason who was your, your assistant was off contract and they weren't doing anything with him because of the possibility that they might bring someone in to replace you you would have been aware of that were you, were you how were you reacting to all that uh it's funny i didn't i wasn't privy to you know how close or, and i still don't know if that is the case you know around the bulldogs game but I'm not stupid either. I know that it's a results, you know, results-driven sort of business. And on the back of the season that we'd had, and although I, I felt that we were a much better team, we were performing at a much higher standard. Ultimately, the win and loss column wasn't where it needed to be for us. So I knew where there's enough uh, noise around different coaches, and you hear a lot of rumours. Well, it can't all be just speculation, and I wasn't. As I said now, and you know, people may choose not to believe me on this, but I, I didn't carry around this real chip on my shoulder. I just thought, you know what, it's not going to help. It's not going to me worrying about this stuff is uh, is not going to help anyone. Uh, I knew that. Look, I had a contract for 2024, so I knew that financially, on the short short term, that I was, my family would be okay, and. The real short term was just do my job today. Just, you know, you've done it now with, obviously, with the stuff with mum and that. You've managed to be able to just get on with things. So just keep doing that. But as I said, I probably, I still to this day don't know whether that game was the game. But, you know, a lot of journos that seem to know everything, they'll uh, they'll tell you that it was. So uh, that wasn't a crack at you there, Barry. Uh, <laughs> well, but, I, um, I didn't think it was, put it that way. So I wasn't one of those. Yeah, but look, look. I, I will say know, this. I will say this adds that that yeah. um, there was never any question, and generally when coaches tend to get sacked, there's always um, something that always plays a part in it is a little bit of um, unrest among the players, and there was never any suggestion of that. And to be to be honest, I think it was the other way. I think um, you had them so much on side and they were so invested in you as you were in them that um, maybe that all the, all the rumors that were coming out at that period of time, maybe that had an impact on them, you know, maybe putting in a little bit of extra effort for you as well, which you probably won't acknowledge, but would not surprise me if that was the case. And, and that, and they jumped on that bandwagon and, and won a few games and all of a sudden it, it um, sort of, you know, it, the avalanche came of, of the 10 straight wins, but that it, it's too coincidental that all that noise, you know, corresponded with that same period where all of a sudden things started to click and the players started to um, perform better than probably they've performed during the season. Yeah, well, look, it's obviously a nice feeling for the ego to think that that may have been the, the catalyst for a couple of results. I, look, I don't... The thing that I do know is that they were a pl- pleasure to be around each day, even when in the toughest times, whether it be mum or whether you're 
you know, you're worried about losing your job or whatever it is, they were a pleasure to be around each day because they just kept training hard and they kept, you know, really upbeat and they were united, the dressing room. And, you know, coaches can tell whether there's unrest in the dressing room and, you know, you'll get some feedback from other players. I didn't have any of that. I just felt like there was just a really united, connected group that care about each other. Um, so that, that I think that probably got us through the most. I don't think that it was any... You know, I'm not aware of any conscious decision or meetings or anything around, you know, supporting me. But I certainly, there was some players that came out publicly, you know, in media interviews that were very supportive. But how they supported me was the most was how they were each day. They just they kept training hard and kept things as upbeat as they could, even when results weren't going our way. And, yeah, that was probably the thing that, you know, not walking into a room of misery or disconnects, you know, I had none of that. So that, that that's how they supported me the most. And hopefully that, that was one of the reasons why we got some results that we did. Well, let's talk about moving ahead. And obviously um, the nature of the game, mate, you can't just rest on your laurels. You, you've got to um, you got to go back out there and do it all again and, and hopefully do it better than you did at the previous season, which um, is the challenge for you guys now, obviously. Um, just before... I asked you about a few other things, um, a bit and bit of speculation in the media again about Daniel Safidi's uh, future at the club. Um, he's as safe as houses, surely. Yes, yeah, I've had uh, a conversation with Daniel. I know it came up earlier in the year, um, and I had a. I think there was a conversation that was much more concerning for Daniel at the time. He was more worried about it then. Certainly that he is this time, um, and we we put that to bed. But I did make the call to him the other day that, you know, it was all, uh, you know, speculations in, in the media, and, and that is the thing. I'll say you guys, Barry, because you That's still okay. technically That's okay. are a journalist. That there's <laughs> probably a lack of... Um, it's the biggest compliment you've ever given me. <laughs> not everything has to be factual. You guys can right, whatever, and then if it's incorrect, well, that's okay. You can move on to the next one. So um, <laughs> and that's just the world we live in. Yeah. That's reality. So, I've, uh, you know, I touched base with Daniel the other day and he said, yeah, no, I'm sweet. I understand it. And, um, and Jaden was the same. I think he was wrapped up in the same article. So, but the club's priority at the moment, those guys are contracted long-term. club's immediate priority is obviously – Phoenix, Bradman and Jacob, which, uh, you know, talks have commenced with those guys. So we, the thing we want to do, and I know Peter has been certainly a big advocate for it since he got here, is stability, you know, breeds success. And we want to, you know, we, have, we don't have any staff turnover or very limited staff turnover. Um, so the, the staff will grow with the playing squad. We've got some additions naturally that you'll have. Uh, each year, but the bulk of the squad we want to keep together and keep growing. And in and, and my experience from any teams that I've been a part of that's had success, it's been a playing group that's continually add layers to their season. They haven't just, um, you know, they've sort of come close a couple of seasons and then got got the premiership in the third one and then they've built again. And I feel like, you know, whilst I don't want to talk premierships, but I certainly think we've got a group that's capable of one. We've just got to... Uh, you, you know, at the start of your question was we had to make sure that we hang on to the stuff that we did well this year and we add layers to it. But, um, you know, certainly those guys, that, that stuff's just paper talk. Um, you're very close to Brails, aren't you? You you think he's very important for the club. even And, I mean, there's people out there 
fans out there saying, well, you know, he's, his injury history, it, it's what it is. Um, Phoenix had a great year. We can go with him and maybe develop someone. And do we really need Brails? But you, obviously, um, you know, you, you want him here at the club. He's very important to the Knights going yeah. forward. Yeah, I do. I think uh, not only he's a quality player, he's a quality human being. He's good for our club on and off the field. Uh, let, let, let's be honest, when he's playing footy, he's elite. I understand where people are coming from, but I think you need to be really careful at treating people like dollar signs or just treating them as, um, you know, chess pieces on a board. Mm. Um, you know, if, you, if you're going to ask them to, to go out and do what we do each week for you um, and if you want them to be connected to the club and have – you know, a fighting spirit amongst them. They'll only do that for someone, for a club or, or individuals that they know care about them. So, yeah, it's a two-way know, and, street, and, isn't it? Uh, well, absolutely. And then the rest of the playing group are also looking at how you're treating a teammate. Um, so we've been really good at that, and I know that the, the club is, you know, that's that's why we're not jumping at this sort of stuff. Look, you have to make wholesale changes. That's that's the nature of the salary cap. I understand that, but at the end of the day. You know, Jaden has a contract that he signed with the club and the club is more than happy with what he's done. Now, I guess the general punter will see what Phoenix did this year and see the games that Jaden's missed. But, you know, I'd, I'd probably anticipate that they're the same people that wanted the last night's Dallium when I moved on when he had some concussion injuries and, you know, shoulder injuries and... and you know, we're complaining about how much money... Field. And we're complaining yeah, about how so, much money's being paid, Yes. Yeah, so you, you know you got to be really, really, uh, yeah. I just, I just, I just don't agree with um, you know treating them that way. I think you know you got to, they got to know that you care about them, and that's why I'm proud of our club. They're, you know, right from the top all the way through the the board, the West Group, our top administration. Like, you know, we're connected and united together. We care about each other. That's why we'll treat them. You confident keeping Bradman and and Phoenix long term, and notice you having dinner with Bradman or having something to eat or a discussion with Bradman, someone took a photo of you, you can't do it out in the open, mate, you know that, if you want to keep it secret. Yeah, well, nothing to hide. We're, uh, no, fair we're, enough. We're, um, yeah, we're eating with one of our players. I get it if it's for, you know, another player from another club, but um, I often eat with a playing group. Sometimes it's <laughs> usually done at my house, but, you know, I ventured out and you get snaps, so... I'm just glad there was no food all over the front of me shirt. Um, yeah, look, look, I'd love to say, you know, you're completely confident. You're never completely confident because they're quality players that the opposition teams want to take off you for themselves. So, you know, I'm not going to sit here and, and say, yeah, I'm, you know, there's nothing to worry about. There's always something to worry about because they're good kids that we've, you know, in terms of all three of those guys and Jacob, Bradman and Phoenix, they're locals, they're our guys. We've developed them. You know, we want to keep them together. And as I said, there'll be plenty of clubs that will want to get hold of those guys. But, you know, our want to keep them is very, very strong. And I know that, you know, Peter and, and, and Philip and the guys are in there working very hard to keep this squad together for as long as I can, as long as we can to grow and hopefully bring that premiership. And, and with that, there's no doubt that, you know, players will at times have to make, and I'm not saying that these guys, you know, in particular, but to stay together and to grow and to do what Penrith have managed to do. And I know what Melbourne were able to do, 
you know, there was guys there that were earning money that they could earn a lot more going to another club, but they wanted to be together and build that. And there's no doubt that, you know, they're, they're, there's a bit of to and fro there. It's a two-way street. But, you know, well, I'm confident that we, we can get a good – I know that the guys want to be here and I know the club want to keep them here. So you like to think we'll get a deal done there. You've lost Kurt Mann, um, who I would imagine you would have loved to have kept. You obviously would have loved to have kept Dom Young. Um, even Fitzy, who's going to England, has probably had his best year at the club in, in a long while. So you're losing some quality. You're going to be promoting from within. I think there's 10, 9 or 10 young guys going to be in the top 30 next year that um, probably only a few of them have had any sort of NRL experience and very limited NRL experience. So there's, a, there's going to be a big challenge for you in the off-season and the coaching staff in the in the pre-season, I should say, to... Um, you know, get some guys up to speed. Yeah, no, it's an exciting challenge too. I think that's the that's the balancing act that you've sort of got there. Like I, I'm very, very close to, to Kurt, man, obviously. Um, you know, Kurt was – I relied on Kurt a little bit after losing mum. You know, he'd been – he'd experienced mm. it, you know, firsthand very recently. So our connection's been strong. I, I think I coached Kurt – I'll show my age now, but it was – bloody long time ago, might have been 2014 when we first started working together um, in Melbourne. So, yeah, I've had a close association with him, but, you know, to lose him, you know, if we hang on to him, then you're potentially losing Phoenix and guys like that. So there is a balancing act there. Um, I'd love to, as a coach that's extremely close to the playing group, I'd love to keep them all, but there's only 30 spots. And then... You know, we've got some good young kids coming through and, and if you're not promoting them up, then someone else will. And then you've got to – then I guess you're, you're faced with a lot of the narrative around, you know, we're losing our local kids that we're developed. And um, but, but as I said, they're the same people that give you feedback on, you know, why are we losing all these young ones? At the same time, they want you to keep Kurt and Lockie Tits and those guys and Dom Youngs and – it just doesn't it doesn't add up. The numbers don't stack up. So you have to make really unfortunately that is the hard part of this business is you get the you have to say goodbye to some friends, not only our suppliers, but not only them, you you, you lose the families, um, you know, Taylor and Sophie in this case with Fitz and Kurt. You know, you're losing a lot from your squad. But at the same time you have to look at it in the other way and say, Well, we're gaining some good young kids here that are at the start of their careers and Let's make sure that we're giving them the best chance to succeed. You've got two spots left, I think, to fill. Um, any ideas who will come in? There's a bit of mail about Tom Jenkins from Penrith maybe coming to the Knights next season. Yeah, I know that the club's, uh, you know, I can confirm that the club's spoken to Tom. I don't know whether a deal's been done, but obviously um, the, the two spots will more than likely go to outside backs. I think that's probably the area considering that you play with two wingers and two centres every week. There's four. You know, we don't have a lot in the squad at the moment, so we need to get some depth in those that positional area in, in wing and centre. So um, Tom certainly fits that bill. He's got some guys in front of him down there at Penrith. So, um, oh, yeah, I can't I can't give you any confirmation on whether a deal's being done, but I know that you know, of, the club has met with him. A bit of mail out of Penrith that suggests he might be coming. So maybe – anyway um, – what about the two English guys that are coming, mate? You you excited about what um, they might bring? Kai Pierce-Paul from Wigan, obviously, and 
Will Price from Huddersfield. You excited about what um, they might bring? Given yeah, the- I am actually. Yeah, well, they're, they're, they're both very exciting footballers. I, I'm mindful of not dumping a heap of pressure on them. The, the NRL is a lot different to what they've experienced, although – you know, Kai Pierce Paul is obviously a Wigan renowned as being a really strong club, especially in terms of how they go about their training and, and stuff like that. He's he's obviously um, in a high performing team over there. Um, so I, I'm obviously with the the season that Dom had um, when he first came out, or not 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 season, the preseason. It was a real shock to him, but I don't think this one is like for like. I think. Um, you know, Will and Kai have had a lot more experience now with, uh, you know, pre-seasons and seasons with Super League teams, whereas Dom had had, I think he'd had one. And uh, respectfully, it was at a lower tier sort of club. So it was a real shock to Dom when he first got in. He was so much better the second pre-season. Um, so I anticipate both those guys would be in front of where Dom was the first time. But at the same time, it's I'm a realist and I don't expect – miracles from them straight away but looking at the vision that i've seen of them and spent time on zooms with them and that i know they're going to add to our footy program no doubt what position do you see um obviously copious pools a back rower and probably um will be vying i guess um to take fitzy's spot he could probably play in the centers what about will price where where do you see him fitting in I think Will Price is a rugby league part, first and foremost. He's, I think he's very uh, adaptable between one, six, three, potentially some 14 as a utility. I think, yeah, I don't want to pitch him. I really just want to cast my eyes, eyes over him over the summer. And, you know, eventually at some stage we have to narrow down a position that we want him to really focus on. But at the moment, I just want him to come out here and show us what he's got and, um, I know that we'll just work out a way to fit our best 17 in each week and what positions they play, we'll, we'll work that out a little bit later. But if you're watching, if anyone jumps on YouTube and watches him play, he, he, can, uh, he can light up a footy field pretty quick in, in multiple positions. Mm. Mate, I, there's, we mentioned the younger guys. There's, there's a lot of younger guys coming into the system. The guy that I'm really excited about, is a guy that I haven't seen play for 12 months because he was basically missed all of last season or the season just gone with a, with a knee injury, and that's Paul Bryan, um, yeah. a, f- a young front rower who I saw a bit last year and thought, wow, this kid could be anything. Um, yeah. what, what's his progress? Because he did have a, a complete knee reconstruction. You didn't risk him at the back end of the season when you could, probably could have come back and played, I, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. Wh- what are your thoughts on him and is he – part of the a big future yeah definitely yeah i'm really excited i'm like you i'm excited to see paul um and again mindful of putting too much pressure on him but i, I definitely think he's more than capable of featuring in some nrl footy next year even though he's been out for a long time and is relatively young uh, physically he will uh more than handle it he'll add uh, a lot of leg speed he's got a lot of power um I just think the thing that's impressed me the most is his dedication to his training and then connection to the group. He doesn't say a lot, he's uh, but he's very popular amongst the group. And I think one of the reasons why he is so popular is how dedicated to training he is. Mm. It's, um, it's been a lonely year for him. Just a lot of it's been training on his own. I know Brails has 
obviously helped him being in that group as well. But yeah, he'll be unrestricted from for a preseason, and you know I'm really looking forward to the trial games because I'll give him the going those, and um, everyone will get to see what he's capable of. And bearing in mind he's a young bloke and he's at the start of the race, not at the end of it. All right, mate. Thanks very much for your time. Um, one final question: Have have you um have you re-signed? Have you extended your contract yet? What's happening there? All this talk. Well, as, I, as I said before, I've got a contract for twenty four. Anyway. Yeah, I know that. Um, but there's all plenty of talk about you signing for for longer. Has has there been any discussions yet, or are you leaving that until after the holiday? I'm. Uh, that's correct. I'm going to. Go away, take the wife uh, over to America for uh, you know, three weeks or so and sit down and uh, relax. And then um, in due course, I'll come back and sit down with Philip and, um, you know, we have a good relationship, good open dialogue. We'll work out what, what the club wants to do and what I want to do. And um, What do you sure want to do? Sign a five-year extended deal or something? It'd, it'd be pretty stupid <laughs> of me, Barry, to sit here and tell you everything right now. Um, <laughs> Look, 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 I'm proud of what we've created this year. I want to, I want to go even further. I want to build on the team and the players. I want them to go to another level. So that's what drives me. And you know, I'm pretty confident that we can sit down and, and make sure that we're we're all heading in the right direction. And I want to be a part of that. Good on you, mate. Congratulations on the season. Um, look forward to bigger and better even next year and and um, have a great holiday no worries Barry thank you very much and um, thanks for having me on the show I really appreciate it the last one too mate you're privileged you're on our last show ever your last one I never thought I'd see the day (laughs) (laughs) I I feel sorry for your wife you're going to spend all your time at home Um, yeah anyway well done Barry congratulations on a great year and uh, as I've said to you before I used to watch what was it? Bush Beat or whatever it used to be called when I was a young fella. That's how old you are. I was reading that when I was in. I was even writing school. about you, apparently. Yeah, you did. So yeah, I, I, was, I was wrapped once or made your article. Well, you, you so. didn't leave a big enough impression on me for me to remember it. But anyway, that's another story. <laughs> Clearly not. <laughs> Thanks, Ad. See you, mate. Uh, no worries. See ya. Thank Bye. you. There he is, Adam O'Brien. Well, that was a great interview, wasn't it? It was uh, very expansive. It was... Um, I think I remember last year's podcast, the final final podcast of the year last year, Simon, and it was like almost like pulling teeth. It was so difficult an interview because they'd come off such a poor season. Yeah. But, um, for things to have turned around like it has, um, and he works so hard, and obviously he's had such a difficult year, um, you know, on and off the field. Uh, great to see. Things happening in, and heading in the right direction, and I'm pretty sure that the club will um, extend him when he does get back from holidays. Okay. I think, like you said, like to, to go through all of that stuff with his mum, and yeah, you know, just yeah, and his job on the line, job on the line, and you know, every time you open the paper, someone's saying, you know, this guy's not going to have a job anymore. Yeah, big year. Glad he got a good end to it. That's yes, good. Yeah. I'm glad too. I'm glad too. Well, that's just about it, mate. We're, we're talking about before about. Um, some of the episodes uh, you got a favorite episode I, I you I look back at, at 108 episodes I know I look back <laughs> at um, you know the episodes that 
really sort of resonated. Maybe yeah. Owen Craigie was one. I was going to say Owen. Yeah, that was that, a, that was a, that was a big one. Yeah. Um, there was also some others. Jared Mullen. Jared Mullen was a good one. About yeah. His, yeah. His situation and and they're all um they're all catalogued. So if yeah. anyone hasn't listened to them and wants to go back and listen to them, well, just. Yeah. I think you just YouTube to his news, the podcast, and then go into Apple and there That's they all are. Yep. Um, there was also some others too. Um, what else was? Renault's. I like Renault. Uh, Renault was a good one. Kirk yeah. Renaldson. Yeah, yeah. Okay. He was, yeah. he was very funny, wasn't he? <laughs> that, that, he, he, was a, he was a really good one. Yeah. Uh, there was a couple of others I thought of too, mm. and I can't, can't yeah. exactly remember which ones. Rossi even. was a good one. I, I didn't yeah. mind Rossi. I think I was away for that one. So that was a nice one to listen to while I was on holidays. Even yeah. um, Tamana Tahu. Tamana was yeah, the last three or four was, weeks. Yeah. He was uh, he had a great story, very yeah. eye opening, and mm. and uh, and also, mate. Before we go, um, just some of the, I mean, you became a bit of a, you had a bit of a cult following <laughs> by, the, by the end. Of, we had I had people emailing me, with, <laughs> let alone <laughs> let alone tweeting in, <laughs> but I had people emailing in suggestions. <laughs> to, to call you on the show, is it, I'll just run fr- uh, through a few of them. The, the Sultan of the Soundwave. <laughs> I did love that. That was great. Yeah, the, the Assassin of the Airways. <laughs> the Master of the Megabyte. The Sensei of Sound. I, I like that one. That was good. One. The Admiral of the Airways. The High Priest of High Tech. <laughs> Sir Simon of Software. <laughs> And Adonis of the Airwaves Adonis was another one. of the Airwaves. But we all I, all, I go back to the one that I think uh, probably fits you the best, yeah. the, the Titan the of Titan Tech. The Titan of Tech, yeah. <laughs> I couldn't have done it without you, mate. So thank you very much for all your help over the last four years. Always um, a pleasure. And enjoyed, yeah. enjoyed your company and I really enjoyed, and it didn't happen very often. It no. only happened probably two or three times. But yeah. I did really enjoy your stuff up. <laughs> But as I say, it didn't happen very often. So. <laughs> Never made it to air. <laughs> thanks very much for everyone that's uh, listened over the past four years. Particular thanks to all the people that um, joined in via Twitter um, with some questions in the in the, over the last three years since we started the Twitter mailbag. That was uh, always enjoyable. Um, for anyone that um, really wants to know, I think the uh, can we get Dom Young to backflip? I think it's probably the most asked question <laughs> of the four years. <laughs> Unfortunately, we can't. Yep. I couldn't help you out with that one. But, no. um, yeah, the, we've had a great time. Um, it's been uh, it's been really good and we've really enjoyed it. But every all good things come to an end. Yeah, that's and, it. And they say you should get out while you're on top. Get they? out while you're on top. That's <laughs> it. Well, I'm not sure about that. But anyway, while we're, you're getting, a winner. we're getting out. So <laughs> thanks very much. And uh, we can't say I'll see you next week because we won't. No. But, um, We'll, uh, we'll catch up soon, probably via Twitter. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thanks, Simon. Thank you.
last time. Two is News has been a production of the Newcastle Herald Sport Desk. It's hosted by Barry Tui, and I've been your producer. Thanks to our editor, Liz Allen, and thanks to everyone who's helped make the show happen over the years. Heath Harrison, Xavier Mardling, Matt Carr, Chad Watson, Tom Melville, Lara Corrigan, our correspondents, Josh Callanan and Max McKinney. Friends, long-suffering friends who have produced for me when I've had to skip down to avoid Mitchell Pierce, Bettina Hughes, Ethan Hamilton, Fleur Connick, and Lucinda Garbutt-Young. And thanks to Janine Graham, who was always on the end of a phone call. Our full archive will remain available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever and whenever you like to listen. And finally, a very special thanks to, and I have a piece of paper in front of me at the moment so I can read this, the host with the most, the legend of the long chat, the titan of the tweet, the Ozymandias of oratory, the satin-voiced sir of sound, fortune teller of footy, baron of broadcast, prince of the press call, sire of the scoop, chief executive of news exclusives, the king's council of the Q&A, sergeant of the Saturday sports page, the once and future king of night's news Barry Tui thanks mate it's been wonderful making the show with you all the best bye